0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Career at UGA podcast. In this week's episode, we will be playing a recording of our most recent weekly meeting talk. Now, if you'd like to come to our weekly meeting that happens each Tuesday at 8 o'clock, we'd love to have you. But right now, spots are still limited. So if you want to come, be sure to sign up using the Eventbrite registration link that you can find every Thursday on our Career at UGA website. Now, on to the recording. Well, tonight we are going to be finishing up our series called In Light Of. And so many of you may have come each week. We've done four so far. This is the last one, uh, number five. And in this series, we've been talking about the many attributes of God or characteristics of God. And then, where the title comes in, In Light Of These Attributes, we're exploring what does this mean for us? What does it mean for me as a follower of Jesus? What, What impact does this have on my life? And so that's what we've been doing in this series and so just a quick note on God's attributes. We really haven't talked about these a lot uh, in, in, many de- in much detail. But for all you note-takers, it's going to be on the screen. And really for anyone who, who just like loves theology, that's your thing. Well, this is Theology 101, 101 right here. Uh, this is what, what many theologians or Christian thinkers uh, talk about when they talk about the attributes of God. And so attributes of God, they're largely, largely two categories. And so the first category um, is God's incommunicable attributes. So it's on the screen, incommunicable. Notice the in, the prefix in, meaning not, and so not communicable. These attributes or characteristics are only ones that God has. Only God has these attributes. And so though we as humans were made in his image, incommunicable attributes, humans, we do not share these with God in any way. And so in our series, we've actually talked about a few of these. And so, for example, Alan, the very first week, talked about God's sovereignty, God being in control. We as humans, we are not sovereign. We are not in control like God is in control. And so that is an attribute that only belongs to him. We've also talked about his independence, his self-existence when we talked about creation. Remember, that's all God stuff. That is not us. That is God only. And then Daniel talked about God being the logos or the almighty force behind all things again, this is, this is God. So these are God's incommunicable attributes. But the other category, you may guess, are God's communicable attributes. And so these attributes are attributes of God that humans do share with him, or that he shares with them. And so no, we're not fully like him in these ways. Absolutely not. There's still a distinction. But Because we are image bearers of God, we share in many of these attributes. And so, Alan, he talked about one last week, God's jealousy. So we too can be jealous. So we share that with God. We too can be jealous for his glory, like he is jealous for his glory. So we can share that with him. Uh, A few more up there. Uh, God's love, we can share in that. His goodness, His faithfulness, His justice, these are things we can share with Him in. And there are many, many more. But uh, I bring that up because as we talk about tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about God's holiness. So God's holiness, or put another way, God is holy. And as we talk about this topic, as we open our Bibles, I want you to hold on to that list. I want you to hold on, incommunicable or communicable, and I want you to guess which one holiness fits into. And we're going we're gonna to dig into it a little bit more, but just hold that um, in your thought as we're, as we're talking about it. Um, but as we get started, I want to pray for us, and then, uh, and then we're going uh, to open up more. God, we are thankful to be here. God, thank you for bringing us here. God, thank you that we can worship you um, as a community of, of people. And um, God, I just, I just pray that tonight, would you open the eyes of our hearts to see you more. Um, to love you more, to worship you and and live for you um, more. Um, God, would you do this talk, do this text in us? God, would we be changed by it? And God, I I just confess that I am dependent on you. Um, God, would you speak in and through me? God, help me to decrease so that you can increase um, tonight. Um, Because that's what we need. We need you. We need more of you. And so would you do that uh, tonight? We love you. Amen. Alright, so let's start talking about the word holy. What is it? We're not talking about holy when I say Swiss cheese is holy. Uh, We're talking about something else. And so, maybe in your experience, in your context, where have you heard this word? What have you heard about the word holy? I know for me growing up, this was a very churchy word. I just heard it all the time in church and stuff. I kind of knew it had something to do with religion or God, but I really didn't know what it meant. Um, But, This word is also used outside of churchy Christian context. You've got uh, popular sayings like holy moly or holy cow, like you say these things. Um, But then also you hear this word used in a lot of popular songs. Now there are a couple songs, more recent songs that I'm going to talk about a little bit, and you may already know. And so the first song is Holy by Florida Georgia Line. Anybody know that song? And now it's song? I'm going to read the lyrics. You can sing if you want. I will not sing, but this is a, this is a real song. So here are the lyrics. You're an angel. Tell me you're never leaving. Because you're the first thing I know I can believe in. You're holy, 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 holy. Wait for it. I'm high on loving you. See the acronym? High on loving you. Next slide. Yeah, that's it. You're the healing hands where it used to hurt. You're my saving grace. You're my kind of church. You're holy. Y'all know that song? Okay. Let's go to the next one, okay? All right. Wait for it. Holy by Bieber. There it is. Yes, and Chance the Rapper. And so here's some lyrics. Y'all can sing if you want. Uh, So I hear a lot about sinners. Don't think that I'll be a saint. But I might go down to the river. Because the way that the sky opens up when we touch, yeah, it's making me say... Next slide. There it is. The way that you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me. Feel so holy, 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 holy. You see this, right? I mean, we hear these songs all the time. Thanks, James, for that. Now, here's what's true, okay? These songs are catchy. Man, they're catchy. There's no doubt about it. And all these artists, they're famous. They're doing something right. And so I am not here to poo-poo on these lyrics. And I'm not here to squash their artistic expression in any way. But they're interesting, right? There's some pretty interesting lyrics when we think about the word holy. And, you know, especially in this romanticized, sexualized way that they're talking about it, I don't think it gives us a ton of clarity on what this word actually means. And what's, what's nice about these songs is they have very intentional religious symbolism in these songs, throughout all the lyrics. Um, but I really don't think they're nailing it when we're thinking about what does it mean, what does the word holy mean, at, at least uh, biblically speaking. Especially they're not nailing it when we talk about God is holy. And so we've got to clear this up. We've got to talk about what does this actually mean? Where do we, how do we see this in the Bible? And so biblically speaking, the word holy... Is often used to describe something or someone that is other. Something that is other. In the Bible, we see this word used to relay a separateness or a set apartness of what or who it is describing. That's how we see it. Another way you can say this is if something is holy or someone is holy, it is unique. You know, an example of this in the Bible is when Moses, when he's encounters the burning bush in Exodus, God tells him that he's standing on holy ground. You see, the ground around the bush is unique. It is separate. It is set apart compared to the ground around it. Also, biblically, with this idea of holiness comes a sense of purity or something being pure. You know, when something is described as holy, it means it is free from any stain or blemish. It's fully perfect. And because it's so perfect, it is immaculate in its detail. And with this comes a great sense of beauty that is with this type of holiness. And I think a helpful metaphor for this would be the sun. Think of the sun. Not every metaphor is perfect, but, but this is our metaphor. You can do that picture up. So you see, in our solar system, the sun is in many ways unique. And it is a powerful source of light for us. And so though millions of miles away from us, it puts off so much light and so much heat that it warms us and the planets surrounding us. And what's so powerful about our sun is that the closer we get to the sun, the more dangerous it becomes for us, because of the pure intensity of the sun. And so, for the sake of this metaphor, I know it's not perfect. Um, we could say that the sun is holy, because it is set apart or it is unique, as well as intensely pure. So, though the Bible references a variety uh, references holiness in a variety of ways. I think the most important use of this word is to describe God himself. God is holy. The Bible affirms that God, Yahweh, is holy. And in fact, it's because God is holy, the other references to holy things, they get their holiness from God's holiness. Like the burning bush. It was holy because God is holy and made it holy. And so more about God's holiness. A very familiar, maybe famous passage in the Old Testament. This is in Isaiah 6. And so when Isaiah the prophet, when he sees the vision of God as he is in the throne room, there's angels surrounding God. And the angels are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Notice the repetition. Holy, holy, holy. It's very intentional, y'all. Very intentional. There's emphasis there. It's it's doing something. You know, it's interesting. You can look through your whole Bible, and the only attribute of God in the Bible that is described in this way, repeated three times, is holy. The only one. The Bible does not say God is love, love, love. The Bible does not say God is justice, justice, justice. The only time in the Bible where this kind of repetition is used for God is that He is holy, holy, holy. Why? What's that doing? What does this mean? Well, it's because God is transcendently set apart. This word transcendent is defined as exceeding usual limits. That's God. Exceeding all usual limits. That is His holiness. That is our God. God, He is the sum of all supreme moral goodness in the universe and absolute greatness of the universe. That's God's holiness. God is exalted in His majesty and in His glory and His glory consumes all of the universe. That's His holiness. God is above and beyond everything else in the universe. He is one of a kind. He is a cut above the rest. He is very, very unique. God is also pure, meaning God has no blemish, no stain, no imperfection. And because He is this way, Nothing imperfect can be anywhere around Him without being totally consumed. Like if we were to get too close to the intensity of the sun, those who are not holy, who have imperfection, who have blemish, who have stain, if they were to get around God, they're in terrible danger of getting too close because of His holiness. And that's not bad. In fact, that is very good. That our God is that pure, that holy, and it shows His infinite beauty. There's nothing in creation like Him. God is utterly and transcendently separate. A class of His own. Our God is holy, holy, holy. That's our God. So when I talk about this, when I talk about how the Bible describes God in this way, I want you to stop. I want you to pay attention to your heart. What feelings are going on? What's going on in your soul? What thoughts are, are, are going through your head about God's holiness? Do you feel confused? Because this is just so much to take in? Do you feel worship? welling up in you because of just how unique he is do you feel anxious do you fear, do you feel fearful because man if god's this way then what does that mean for me how can i be with him if i'm not this way do you feel cold to this reality doesn't matter god's holy It could be anything what condition is your soul in right now as we talk about God's holiness well the good news is that wherever you are and whatever's churning in your heart wherever you are the truth is that that Jesus is our hope and Jesus is our holiness Jesus Christ the only Holy Son of God, Holy Son of God is where our souls find rest and can come alive when we experience the reality of God's transcendent holiness. See, our sinfulness, our imperfection should terrify us when we're faced with the absolute holiness of God. But when we look to the cross of Christ, we see Him, when we trust Him, We're made clean. And we can actually come close to God in His holiness. Jesus is the way that an unholy humanity can have a relationship with a holy God. It's amazing. And it's not like God loses any sense of His holiness by letting us be close to Him. Absolutely not. In fact, Jesus, He... He bridges the gap for us. He gives us His holiness. He provides hope for us to know and enjoy God as He truly is, which is holy, holy, holy. This is the God we get to know and enjoy forever. You know, as I talk about this, uh, the reality is my words, especially the time we have... They cannot adequately describe the beauty, the majesty, the glory of God's holiness. Can't do it. I can try all I I can up here. I can't do it. God has to work this in our hearts. But what's amazing is that now, right now, and for all of eternity, we are given access to see God as He is, experience the fullness of Him, to know and enjoy His beauty and His holiness forever. We get that because of Jesus, to know this God as he is. But for the sake of tonight uh, and and the rest of our time, let's talk about our series. (laughs) Let's talk in light of. If God is holy, what does this mean for me? What, What implication does this have on my life? Well, to do this, let's look at one passage from the New Testament. This was written by the, uh, the Apostle Peter. Uh, he, he followed Jesus when Jesus was, was on earth. So this is 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Speaking up. Uh, therefore, we're going to stop. <laughs> therefore. We've got we've to talk about this word for a second, because what's true about this word is when you're reading Scripture, when you see therefore, you've got to stop, you've got to pump the brakes and say, what is the therefore Therefore. So when you see it, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, if you were just to look back on the verses right before this, you would see why this therefore is here. And I'm not going to open it, but I'm going to briefly summarize it. What's going on here? Peter is reminding the church, reminding these believers of the living hope they have in the gospel. He's just spelling it out for them. And this is the very same hope that's ours. It's the hope that I was just talking about, of Jesus being our holiness. This is our hope too. And so this, therefore, in a lot of ways, is the in light of, of this series, of our our talk tonight. In light of the hope of God's transcendent holiness and the relationship we have with Him through Christ. Therefore, let's read. Therefore, preparing your minds for action... And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what's going on here, Paul, is saying uh, prepare yourself, be sober-minded, and set your hope fully on the grace that's going to come to you when Jesus comes back. Jesus is coming for you. Uh, He's going to take you with him and and be with him for for eternity. So set your hope on a, a world made new because of Jesus coming back. As we keep reading. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Y'all see that? Y'all see the connection? Because of the grace of Jesus, because of the hope that is ours in the gospel, we've been made children of God. Children. The holy, holy, holy God is our Father because of Jesus. And as His children, we're called into something. We're called into a way of being, a way of living. Do you see it? It's right there. We are called to be holy. As God is holy. Remember at the beginning I talked about the incommunicable and communicable. Would you be surprised if if, if holiness is actually communicable? That we share in? We are invited to share in God's holiness. It's true. It's right here in the text. The Bible affirms that holiness is communicable. That we can share in it. You see, this passage, it's, it's one of the most clear in light of connections that we have. In light of God's transcendent holiness, we are called to be holy. We, as God's children, are called to share in this. And God wants it that way for us. We are called to be set apart. We're called to be separate. We're called to be pure we're called to live holy lives in all of our conduct. But so we don't get it twisted, there is still a distinction. God's holy, holy holiness is by His own nature and His own character. If God were not holy, He would not be God. It's who, part of who He is. It's who He is. He is holy. But our holiness is given to us by God through Jesus. And unlike God, we grow in our lived experience of this kind of holiness. You see, God is holy. We were made holy. And we are growing more in holiness. That's the distinction. But this is still our in light of reality. It's still here. And so I've got to stop and ask, are you experiencing this in your life? Would you say that your life is characterized by one of holiness? Holiness? Are you growing to be more set apart and pure in the ways that God wants for you? If you're like me, you know the struggle that this is, to grow more in holiness. You know, though I was perfectly made holy because of Jesus, my lived experience doesn't always reflect this, growing, God-honoring holiness. And just the topic of holiness itself, it can just feel so restrictive to me. It can feel like it's nothing but rule-keeping. I just need to go check the boxes, be a good person, be holy, all this stuff. And, and, and for me, I, I see that and I can experience that and think, man, this isn't very fun. <laughs> this isn't enjoyable. There's, there's freedom outside of holiness for me to go and run and grab. But this is not the case. Because God wants it this way. He made us this way. You see, Christian holiness is not about merely keeping the rules to appear to be a good person. That's not it. If you think that's it, That's not. But instead, it's about joyful obedience to God's good, good commands. They're good for us. He wants what's best for us, and that's why he tells us how to live. Christian holiness is not about withdrawing from family, withdrawing from friends, withdrawing from society. But instead, it's about being dedicated solely to God and then living our daily lives in a way that honors Him, pleases Him, glorifies Him. Christian holiness is is living a life marked by godly virtues, not by worldly vices. Christian holiness is about being renewed more into the image of our Creator and Savior and not being conformed to the world around us. See, Christian holiness doesn't eliminate our experience of joy in this life. It actually maximizes it. Christian holiness maximizes our true joy in God because we experience Him more as we follow Him. But the question is, how do we grow? How do we grow in holiness? This is God's design, how do we do it? Well, our, our hope is the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit promotes this growth in us. Only being filled with the power of the Spirit and depending on Him will enable us to grow and change and live more holy lives. But, as we surrender to the Holy Spirit for this growth and change, I do want to provide a helpful framework to consider. So as we're depending on the Spirit here, Jerry Bridges, in his book called The Pursuit of Holiness, he proposed these four questions that, that we can ask ourselves about living a life that is pleasing to God. And so when we're trying to decide if an action or an attitude promotes or obstructs holiness, we can consider these four things. Number one, is it helpful? Very easy. Is it helpful? Does this action or attitude help me in living a life pleasing to god or does it actually hold me back from living a life pleasing to god does it help does it hold me back that's the first question second question does it bring me under its power is this action or attitude controlling me in some way does it have power over me that is contrary to the power that is offered and given to us by the spirit does it bring me under its power? Third, does it hurt others? Does this action or attitude hurt others? If we were called to honor and respect other image bearers and love our neighbor as ourself, is this action or attitude is actually causing harm to other people? And then fourth, fourth question, does it glorify God? Does this action or attitude, does it increase or decrease my satisfaction in God so that I can live more fully to worship Him and glorify Him by my life, with my life? And so there's just four helpful questions you can ask as you're wrestling with, with areas of, of holiness. And as you reflect on, on these questions, are there areas in your life where you're like, oh man, I, I need to think about that. I need to think about that area. I would encourage you in a posture of humility, ask the Lord to meet you in that area. Go before Him with these questions. Get your Bible and pray God, reveal to me what's true. Show me what this means to live a holy life. And additional help you, you may be like, goodness, this holiness stuff, I, I have so many questions. I don't even know what this means. This is just wild to me. Um, I want to give you one more resource. It's, it's a book. Uh, it's called "The Whole, A Hole a Whole in Our Holiness by Kevin DeYoung. Um, really, it's a punchy book. It's pretty punchy. Uh, but it's so good because it addresses this from a very gospel-centered approach, like it needs to be. It's not following rules. It's living out our identity as a holy one and a child of God. And so if you really want to dig in this topic, if you want to read this book, I've got a copy in the back. It's my copy. I'd love for you to borrow it. And so come find me after. I'd love for that um, if you want that. But I, w- I would encourage you, take those four questions and and, and process them with the Lord um, or even read this book. But as I close, uh, there is just one more thing I want to unpack from our First Peter text that I kind of just brushed over, but I want to go back to it. So in verse 16, if you want to look at it, uh, it's not gonna be up there, but you can see it. Um it says, verse 16, for it is written, be holy as I am holy. What's Peter doing there? For it is written. Written what? Written where? What are you talking about? Well, Peter, he's referencing the book of Leviticus. Yes, that Old Testament book that we just shoop, go right past uh because of all the, the, the Jewish laws that are in there. But but this is Peter's referencing this. And he's doing it for a reason, because in the book of Leviticus, God gives this command, be holy as I am holy, over five times throughout this book. So why? What is God getting at when he says that in Leviticus? And why does Peter connect it? Well, just one really significant reason for this goes back to the idea of of being holy means being set apart or being unique. So God, in Leviticus, he's reminding the Israelites, y'all, there's no other God like me. I know you're surrounded by all these nations. They have all these other gods, gods they created, gods they bowed down to. But listen, I'm the only one. I am the only true God. I am different. I am unique. I am the one true God. And so as God is reminding them of this, in Leviticus, he tells them, Because I am different, and because I am your God, I want you to be different. I want you to be different than the other nations around you. Because I'm different, and I'm different than their gods. I want you to dress differently. I want you to act differently. I want you to treat one another differently, because I am different. And as you live differently... Many blessings are going to come out of this. But one in particular blessing, it's not even for you. But the blessing is the other nations around you are going to see me. They're going to see me, the only true God, the way you live. As you live differently, your set-apartness will show them my set-apartness. Be holy as I am holy. That's so cool. That is so cool. That's such good news. That's goodness. That's a privilege. That is a joy for us, too. We get to show off God. We get to show the world God's character. We get to show and tell the world how unique, how wonderful, how amazing He is. And as we obey Him and as we live our lives, to please Him, live our lives differently, He gets more worship from us, but also from all the other people around us that see Him in our lives. So let me pray. God, we stop and praise You for being different. God, you are love, you are justice, you're mercy, you're compassionate, you're slow to anger, you're bounding in steadfast love. You're holy, holy, holy. God, there's none like you. You exceed all usual limits. And that description doesn't even do it to fully describe who you are and what you are like. And so our jaws drop when we look at You and we see You and we encounter You. So God, help us. (laughs) Help us live holy lives. Help us be who You've called us to be. Help us not take lightly Your desire for us in this way. But God, help us not to try to do it on our own. It won't work. Holy Spirit, do this work in us as you promise you will. Complete the good work that you started in us. Make us grow in holiness. And thank you for making us holy in Christ. God, we are in all of you. And we ask that you would empower us to live exactly how you've called us to. Not more and not less. God, help us to live holy lives. Amen.